He says, you know, you really don't know unless you see uh, there's a basic uh, Hasidic Kabbalistic concept. That concept is whatever is in the physical reality is a mirror image of what exists in the spiritual reality. So Hashem put us in this world and we live in this world and we, we experience many things but really what we're experiencing is, is a reflection of, of a spiritual reality. It may be, according to the capitalists, may be one of the goals of life is to try to find out what exactly is that mirror image. Like, the, like it says, it's from the Gemara says that the base amigda shalmala connected base amigda shalmata. The base amigdash in this world is there's a reflection of it in the base amigdash in heaven, which means whatever happens in the holiest place in the world, base amigdash here, something parallel to that is happening in the, in Bashamayim. So the the capitalists believe that that's true about every event. Every event in this world is a reflection of some spiritual event in heaven. Say for Daniel, it seems to be like that. Because say for Daniel, Daniel speaks about angels who are representatives of nations. Paras, Yavan, and they all have, each one has an angel. And, and what happened, and, and Daniel is, is basically telling us what goes on in the angelic world when they, angels are representing these nations, that comes down and happens in this world as well. So, apparently, right now, the angel of Paras is very aggressive. The angel of Russia is very aggressive. And so, therefore, the, their, their countries in this world come very, are also very aggressive. I don't know what starts what, whether it starts in the angelic world or it starts in this world. But whichever way, each is a reflection of the other. That's what, that's what Sefer Daniel is saying. And that's what the capitalists say. That's also apparently true about the, even the individual. Whatever happens to an individual in this world, something parallel is happening in the other world. But how do you, how do you get some kind of a gauge but he wants to come up with some kind of an insight into some question. That is, uh, if you want to know a little bit, get a little glimpse into what what is happening in the, this world and the other world, he says you look at the at the earth and you look at the sky. Shemayim <laughs> sometimes means the sky and sometimes Shemayim means heaven. You know, Gan Eden is in the Shemayim. So the same Hebrew word, the same term in the Tanakh is used for just the real sky and, the, and Shemayim. And it's also the term for Gan Eden, the heavens, the spiritual world. So let's look at, let's, uh, let's say we propose symbolically, we want to see that the connection between heaven and the sky and the earth and the sky is the same as this world is a parallel to this world and the spiritual world. Okay, so that's premise that he wants to suggest. So now he says there's a certain interesting phenomenon. It seems to the average person that the distance between this world and the sky is the same. And it seems to us that the moon and the sun 
are usually the same distance away. Maybe the moon gets bigger or smaller, but it doesn't seem that uh, it gets more distant. And we also don't seem to see the sun getting more distant. It seems that the way we perceive the, the distance, it may, it may not be true from the astronomical point of view. From the astronomical view, it's not true. Because Earth's uh, distance from the sun changes. I don't think it's a regular circle. I think it's more of an ellipse, the Earth and the sun. But in any event, that maybe affects weather and seasons. But as far as the the, the regular person's perception, it seems that the, the Earth and the sun are always equidistant. So what does that mean? What lesson does that, what does that symbol mean for us? So it seems to say as far as this question of this world and the spiritual world, it seems that the distance between this world and the spiritual world is always the same. Now that's the question. Why would that be like that? Why, why can't it be that the spiritual world gets closer or the spiritual world gets further away? The truth is that in, in, in the everyday experience, if, if I think uh, my connection to, the, to spirituality to that Shemaim Lamala, it does to get closer and further, right? Because some days I feel very close to the spirituality. I feel very holy and very connected. Other days I feel very distant. So the personal experience <coughs> of being close to Ruchnius, being distant from Ruchnius, definitely does shift from Maybe even could be even hour to hour. One hour I feel very close to spirituality. One hour, one hour, next hour I can feel very distant. So, but it, but just if I look with my eyes, it seems that the Earth and the Sun are always the same distance away. So, what is that? What, what is that lesson? So, what the Shem Mishmol says the lesson in terms of uh, this world and the other world is that very difficult to uh, to bridge the gap. It's very difficult to bridge the gap. The gap always seems to be static. And he said that the reason is like this, because on one hand, the world is trying to get up to heaven, because we call the world Eretz. What is the word Eretz? The word Eretz comes from the word Ratz, run. So every part of the globe is running towards the sky. But because each part of the globe is pulling towards the sky, the, the globe stays in the same place because it's, it's being pulled in all directions. So it wants to go up and the other side of the globe is pulling down. Right, left. So the two, all the sides of the globe are keeping the world in place. That's one thing. The other thing is that... Uh, so. What this means is that people want spirituality. The world is running. It's an Eretz. It's running towards heaven, but it's very hard to get there. So people who are in this world also are continuously trying to get to the spiritual side of life. Now, he says that some people have, have, have it the right way. They seem to know what spirituality they're seeking. But a lot of people are just trying to break out of the simple mundane and to get to some kind of excited, ecstatic state of mind. 
maybe they get drunk or they or they take drugs. So it, those are indeed at the root. Those things are really religious experiences. People are trying to have a religious spiritual experience, but they they confuse. They don't know how to how to get there. So because of that, they wind up in these substitute experiences, which is a false spirituality, whether it's uh, drunkenness or drugs or other things, wild music. So these are substitutes for true spirituality. But it's a human need. People are not happy just being in this world and living an everyday uh, physical experience. Now, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, the, the sky doesn't want the earth because the sky is pushing back. If the earth is pushing up to get there, the sky is pushing down because the spiritual, the spiritual doesn't really appreciate the physical. That's also a feature. The spiritual does not really like the physical. So therefore, because the world is trying to go up and the sky is pushing it down in a capitalistic uh, uh, description, that's why they always seem to be this equidistant. However, that's maybe how things start off. But the goal of life is to bring the physical and the spiritual together. That's the Torah goal. The difference between the Torah and other religions, he claims, is in this question. Other religions, by and large, see that the two do not cannot be connected. There's a spiritual world and there's a physical world. You can't put them together. That's what other religions say. So, for example, Christianity does not want the priests or the nuns to get married because they say marriage is a very physical event. It's void of spirituality. And therefore, a spiritual person, a priest or a nun, shouldn't seek marriage. It's bad because that makes them physical. And the physical and the spiritual are antithetical. That's what Christianity claims. The Buddhists and the Hindus also have a similar concept. Not, they're not against marriage, but they don't believe in any good deeds. Spirituality for them is you meditate, sit on a mountain, sit in a, in a what they call it, a temple, sit there for hours, and, and basically meditation, Eastern meditation is an escape from this world. You escape from this world into the world of spirituality, and that's where you are. That's why their societies are terrible on the ground because the priests, the holy people, are not concerned with this world. They're concerned just sitting and meditating and getting out of this world into some kind of spiritual experience. So therefore, on the streets, people do whatever they want. Murder, killing, robbing. The infamous, the East, the Far East is infamous for terrible on-the-street lives. Like say in India, they have all kinds of levels of people, caste, all kinds of crazy things going on on the ground because their spirituality is escape from physicality. So we have, on the one hand, the Christians, they feel, they divide into two groups of people. The priests are supposed to be very spiritual. Regular people are in this world. And a similar kind of thing is with the Eastern religions. The only religion, or say called major religion, 
which believes in the combination of the physical and the spiritual, is Judaism. The Torah says 613 mitzvot, but the vast majority of them have to do with physical reality. Put on tefillin, you have something called tefillin, where it sits this, eat matzah, eternal laws to item, uh, keep the laws of Shemitah and Israel. There's so many mitzvot, vast, vast majority, do's and don'ts, don't eat, trade food, don't be Mechal Shabbos, all kinds of physical uh, uh, actions or staying away from physical things, which will connect you to spirituality. These things will make you kadosh. We say, By doing the mitzvah, which is a physical action, we are gaining and accessing Yusha, which is spirituality. So it's mamish, what seems to be a paradox. How can something physical, which is an animal type of, these animals are very physical, and people do a lot of things like animals. We eat, we drink, we sleep, we procreate, and so on and so forth. They don't get spirituality out of it. Dogs don't, so horses don't. But Torah says people can. People can combine the physical with the spiritual. You don't have to go to a monastery and become a priest and stay away from women. We don't have to be a monk in Tibet and go up onto the mountains over there and just meditate. Just be in this world and do good deeds and stay away from bad things and you will get Kedusha, you will get holiness, you will access Gan Eden in this world, you will get the Kedusha of Shemayim in this world through the mitzvahs. That's the main difference between the Torah and other religions. So so the do's, the mitzvahs are saying, they teach us how to make the mundane spiritual, how to make the physical spiritual, and the don'ts, the losas says, say how not to create bad spirituality, how not to make spirituality mundane. So it goes in both directions. The mitzvahs are saying, bring the kedusha into this world, and the mitzvahs losas say, protect, protect, uh, the kedusha of this of which we have in this world. My screen all of a sudden came up with some kind of an ad here. I thought I get it, get rid of this, maybe go back. So I only see I only see you, Steve, uh, Shmuel, and and I don't see anybody else. But this ad popped up. It's a Zoom ad, so I have no idea. I'm I'm clueless, but okay. So now we continue with this discussion. Uh, the difference between Torah and the other mitzvahs. Rabbi Reichman? Yes, Todd. Could, could this explain perhaps why Avram Ravinu was uniquely different than Shem Ve'ever? Shem Ve'ever also had a yeshiv, also taught Torah. But perhaps perhaps there, they only taught it as Torah, you know, innocence Torah alone, not an idea that Torah infuses everything else within the world. Beautiful. I, you know, I, 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 I've always had that like a subliminal idea like that, but you expressed it exactly perfectly. That Shem Ve'eva was an escape from the world. It was more like uh, the monk type of spirituality. And, but Avram Avinu, he was in the world and he brought the Kedusha into the world and he discovered Kedusha in the world. Excellent.
very, very good. That, that tells us the, the difference between the yeshiva of Shem Ve'eva and the Torah, which begins with Avraham Avinu. Very good. Excellent. Right. Now, now, uh, okay. So now, so now like this, um, within, even with, now within Torah itself, within Judaism itself, Hasidus, this is also sort of a paradox. The capitalists and the Hasidus, especially the Hasidus, focus on the physical and getting the spirituality in the physical. So I was in, when I was talking in Miami, I went to different shuls. Because I wanted to see what different kinds of shuls. So there was the modern Orthodox and Yisro type shul, there was the Yeshivish shul and the Hasidish shul. Where do you think was the most food? Was the was most it, what? Uh, the most food to eat every day. We walk in for shachris, cookies, soda. Chasidus shishul. The chasidus shishul. The question is: Isn't the chasidus more focused on spirituality? They're talking the language of the capitalists. They're focusing on ruchnius, not so much on this world. That according to at least the, the theory of chasidus. How come they have more food than anybody else? The answer is because they tackle oh, this, this, this is so. They hold that the more physical, the more spiritual. The paradox is the solution. Not that physical and spiritual, which seem to be a paradox, which everybody else in the world considers a paradox. But the Torah says that they can be merged together. But they go even further. They say the more physical, the more spiritual. Not that just you can have... They don't even accept the idea that if you would have less physical, you would create more spiritual. Within Torah, you could say like there's one shita, you can say maybe, I don't want to stereotype, but maybe you could say there is a shita, maybe you could call it the, the, the yeshiva shita. That shita says that uh, that shita says that uh, the uh, that shita says yes, you can put spirituality with physicality, but uh, however, if you want to get even more spiritual. You should maybe cut back on the physical. They have the like certain, you know, whatever. I don't want to go into details about it. it's not that important. But there is such within the Torah community today and in the past, there's definitely been such a shita called the ascetic shita, shita of the ascetics, fasting and and eating less. I think it's a very big shita today in the yeshivish world, at least in the Russian, the Gedolim of Israel. Mustapik Bimuat, have less physical, it's better. You get more more ruchnius if you have less. And you know, maybe being poor is considered better than being rich. But the Hasidic world is the opposite. Hasidic world says the more physical, the more spiritual. Therefore, Hasidic world has a lot, a lot of focus on food and things like that. So it's a very interesting difference. But but anyway. That idea that the more, at least physical and spiritual can be combined, 
or should be combined. That's the point. It should be combined. They're not antithetical. They can be combined. Also might even mean that the more physical is more spiritual, which is the Hasidic concept. Okay. In any event, this also has bearing on what will your most Mashiach be like? What's the ideal future? We believe that there's a, a, a new ideal future which will happen. That's Yemot HaMashiach. Will that be physical or just spiritual? So this is a, a big <clears throat> machloket between different Mephoshim uh, and uh, the Rambam has his shita and the Ravit has his shita and many, many different opinions about it. But the basic machloket is will it be Purely spiritual, that's one, one, one shita. Or will it be physical with more spirituality in the physical? And that happens to be shita sarambam. Shita sarambam, at least the first, first stage of Mashiach, he says, will be people will have a much better physical world. They won't have to work so much and they won't be stressed with how to make a living, and they'll be able to spend their time doing studying Torah, doing mitzvahs. The physical will be so much better that it will enhance the spiritual. That's the Rambam's future world. It's a physical world where the physical is supporting more spirituality. That's his shita. So according to the Rambam's Yemosa Mashiach, it's a physical world where the physical world is creating more spirituality, more ruchnis. So he's with that shita that the two that that is the ideal. The ideal is a physical existence for for people, which will create more and more spirituality. The two will work together. The two will support one another. That's his shita. However, the rivet I think disagrees, and the rivet and other rishonim say. The future world will have nothing physical. It will be purely spiritual. And that's the goal. The goal is actually, according to that opinion, to divorce ourselves from the physical and just be spiritual. That will be the ultimate Yemos HaMashiach. That's the other opinion. And as I said, I think within today's film world, you see also this playing out. The Hasidic world feels that the spiritual and the physical are very, very connected. And it's, it's even better to have more physical, that will get more spiritual. And I think the yeshivish world is a little bit in the other way. To have less physical is better because less physical will allow you to have more spiritual. Okay, anyway, we see that today and definitely a big machlok is about the future. But anyway, the shemish world, of course, coming from the Hasidic side, he emphasizes that the physical supports the spiritual and that is the whole point of the mitzvot to connect physical and spiritual. And he also says he passed, he agrees with the Rambam that in the Mosa Mashiach, all the mitzvot will apply. We'll just be able to do them better because we'll have more physical support in the world. Okay. Now, Shem Shmuel has uh, an interesting question about this. Okay, if the physical and the spiritual indeed should be combined, at least in mitzvahs, that's for sure. And that's what we're doing in this world. So then, why is it so difficult 
to connect physical and the spiritual. How come people are having such a tough time finding spirituality? Even when they do mitzvahs, so many people unfortunately do mitzvahs, but mitzvahs are not shimulu mother, they're doing mitzvahs as a habitual performance. You know, someone was asked was asking me today about Kabana and Davening. It's a tragedy. So the level of Kabana is of intent and experiencing and feeling the spirituality of faith is very, very low. Generally speaking, it's very low. And this is, of course, the board. I've been in many shuls. doesn't really make it. But there are some certain shuls, like Rabbi Wolfson Shul in Barapar, with Svi Meyer and Shalayim. Here and there, you find the shul. Rabbi Weinberger and Lawrence, you find the shul here and there, where you feel, oh, very, very spiritual. Just diving here really inspires me. Many other shuls, it's, a, it's you know, hit and miss. Right? The hits and misses, sometimes very, very spiritual, sometimes nothing. Just people saying words, including myself. So it's that simple. It's that simple to find spirituality, even if you're doing mitzvahs. So why is this so? Why is this so? So he says the reason is because the harder it is to find something, the more you want it. When things come easy, then people take it for granted, don't appreciate easy things. If it's hard to get, then you struggle for it, and you really want it, you fight for it, and then you accomplish much more. So he says that Hashem made it like that. Hashem made that we are a combination of the guf and the neshama, the physical and the spiritual. And it's and the guf is pulling us one way, and the neshama is pulling us the other way. And it's very difficult to put it together. The reason why it's put together is why it's like this, in order to make us struggle. Because the struggle makes the desire more and and the accomplishment is more. The more you struggle for the goal, the greater the effort, the greater the result. Things come easy, you usually, easy things usually you do a sloppy job on. It's not A plus. Something very hard, you work very hard on it, you get it to the A plus level. So therefore, Hashem wanted to make this discovery of the spiritual a problem because he wanted us to uh, wanted us to get the spiritual the maximum spirituality to do that we have to struggle for it okay I have to tell you given my age of 78 the struggle is ongoing it doesn't end We're always struggling to get to the spiritual so don't be upset if it takes me a you find there's a struggle, the struggle doesn't really end. It keeps on going, okay? Just maybe different locations, but it's always struggling. So the struggling is very good because it makes us stronger, make things, want the good, the good things, the spiritual part of life, the Kedusha, makes us want it even more. So basically, what was Avram Avinu's? Now, now there's another point in the discovery of the Ruchnis of Kedusha. And that's Eretz Yisrael. Avram Avinu, that was his search. He was on a he was on a journey to discover the kedusha in the world. That was his his journey. Where will I find spirituality? He thought he might get find it where he was born in Orkazdin. No, Orkazdin was full of 
wickedness. He couldn't. He couldn't break the barrier. Then he went to. Then Hashem told him, "Go to Eretz Yisrael." So continue the journey. Continue the search. He went to Haran. He also didn't find it. And then Hashem told him, "Keep on going. You will find it, but not here." And when he comes to Israel. All of a sudden, he comes to Israel. The first thing he does, but Yikra B'Shem Hashem. He finds a place of prayer. He builds a mizbeach. He knows he's come to this to a place which spirituality is literally on the surface. It's already the physical is already spiritual. You don't have to work so hard like in the rest of the world. In this place, the spiritual, the kedusha is literally in the ground itself. Eretz Yisrael has Kedusha. There's Kedusha Mamish in the ground itself. So that's why the minute he got into Israel, the first thing he did is by Yikra B'Shem Hashem, he davens. He knows he's in the right place. That was his journey. Journey was to find, what they say, the Holy Land. The place where the land itself is holy, and that's why he winds up in Eretz Yisrael. Because Eretz Yisrael is the place where heaven is literally in the ground. It's is the Okay, so so it's still true today. It is still true today that if a person wants to find kedusha, it's much more apparent and, and easier to find in Eretz Yisrael if he wants to find. Avinu was looking, so he did find it. People can be there and not find it because they're not looking. They don't. In fact, some people are against kedusha. They certainly not going to find it. But if someone wants to find it, it's relatively easy, much easier than here. I can tell you that uh, certainly, as the Gemara says, if we go down to Israel, kiss the ground, not kissing a safer Torah. If the kedusha is so strong, you kiss, you kiss the ground. It's like kissing a safer Torah. And now, another place, and that was Amavinu's journey and search and his discovery of Kedusha in the world, in the land of Israel. <laughs> now, of course, it doesn't mean that we can't find it in America or any other place in the world, but it's going to be more of a struggle. It's more difficult. You have to work harder to find the Kedusha here than over there. Okay, so that's a plug for for living in Eretz Yisrael. Now, another time, there's another place which is not really a place of uh, jazz, but a place in time. There's a place in time where the spirituality, the Kedusha, is more easy to access, and that's Shabbos and Yomtev. Shabbos and Yomtev, Makadish Shabbos, it's time of man of Kedusha. So it's, it's not an accident that the average Jew finds Shabbos a very holy day because it's actually built into this man. This man of Shabbos has Kedusha. So that's why it's very relatively easy, much easier to find Kedusha on Shabbos than on, on Wednesday, Tuesday. Much easier to get into the Kedusha experience on Shabbos. So, so it means like this, Hashem is Baruch, you know, he knows it's tough. He made a very tough obstacle course. Physical life, but the goal is spirituality. It's a very tough obstacle course. So people need, I would say, a break. They need a break from this tough uh, 
marathon. So every seven days, Shabbos is the break. Shabbos, you don't have to struggle. Just follow the the routine of Shabbos to get spirituality. You have a good Kalabach minion. Yeah. He says, good drasha, shoes. We read the Shem Shmuel on Shabbos. So you're going to get a nice good dose of spirituality at your Shabbos table with your children. Sing some Zmiros. We do the Pasha on Shabbos with the kids. So there's so many different ways that people find Kudusha and holiness on Shabbos. Because Hashem wanted to give us a Yom Kadosh once a week so that we should... And by the way, the concept is also to bring the inspiration of Shabbos into the week. That's something which I have not succeeded but it says in all the Svarim, the goal of Shabbos is not just to enjoy the Kedusha and spiritual on Shabbos, but to somehow bring it into the week. Three days after Shabbos, and three days before Shabbos, I guess some people can do it, because that's what they say you should try to do. Very hard, I find it very hard in this world that we live in to have a Shabbos feeling during the week. I once met a guy in Israel I, had, I went to see, I visit some guy. He was with his wife. It happened to be a Tuesday. So I come into this fellow, his wife, and the dress Shabbos thing, and the Shabbos, and the table is set for Shabbos. And, he, and I say, what's going on? He says, we're still keeping Shabbos. I say, really? You're keeping Shabbos? It's Tuesday. He says, yeah, because the Gemara says you can say Havdalah on Tuesday. So you can say Havdalah on Tuesday. That means you can keep Shabbos till Tuesday. So we keep Shabbos. We don't want to lose the Kedusha of Shabbos. There's one member like that in Israel's name called the Amshanova. He keeps Shabbos also way past Shabbos into... Like, I, don't, I think maybe he, a lot of times he'll go to Tuesday, but certainly Sunday. We come to him on the Sunday at Shabbos. But anyway, I don't think Halacha is like that because I think Halacha says that you can only keep Shabbos till Chatzot's. Matzah Shabbos. I think there's a Ramban like that. That Chatzot, Matzah Shabbos, Midnight Matzah Shabbos is the maximum of Tosefah Shabbos. Which is good. You can go a few extra hours, but I don't think Allah allows you to go Sunday, keep Shabbos. Anyway, but but I guess what the, this, this guy with his wife, they just wanted to keep that spiritual experience going, so they decided to extend Shabbos till Tuesday. Okay, in any event, I wish someone could come up. Maybe we'll give it as... One thing we want to do from these uh, Hasidic uh, discussions is have a project during the week. So let me give you the project that I have in in the book. The projects are like this. Keep a daily log for a week of three types of activities you did each day. One A, one activity is purely physical. There's nothing spiritual at all about what you did. Okay. I don't know, maybe. But you, you, you write down. But a purely physical thing, no spirituality at all. Then the next, the next group of things you put down for each day is purely spiritual things. Something which is purely spiritual, not physical whatsoever. Maybe you're meditating. Maybe as you were davening, yeah, it was a spiritual experience. 
just a spiritual and nothing physical about it. And the third group of activities should be things which combine the physical and the spiritual. So, for example, that last thing is the, chas- the Rebbes, the Hasidish Rebbes, they make a tish. What is the tish? Went to quite a few tishim, especially when I used to be in Barapah. And I see this Rebbe sitting up front. And he's eating, and all the Hasidim are sitting there watching the Rebbe eat. I, for the life of me, when I first began to go to these things, I never understood what in the world is going on. Someone is sitting, eating eating food, physical thing, and the other people are watching him as if this is the greatest spiritual event of the week. So the Territ says, later on, I, I, I learned that the Rebbe's are following the Ariyah Kadosh's definition of eating. The Ariyah Kadosh says when a person eats food, he shouldn't focus on the fact that he's doing something physical and eating food physically. He should know that within every morsel, every bite of food that he chews and swallows, he's chewing and swallowing kedusha, spirituality. How does he stay alive? He eats the food. What keeps him alive? The food? No. The spiritual force which he got from the food. That's what the Ariyakadu says. Within every bit of food, there's a kedusha which is Eitz HaChaim, it's the source of life, so you're literally eating from the Eitz HaChaim, so therefore the Rebbe, when he chews food, usually they eat very little, they take a few bites, and then give the rest away to the Hasid. When he's eating that food, he's thinking, I don't know, how, whatever capitalistic concepts are going through his mind, Chala has this type of Kedusha, and a piece of Kavotah fish, has that type of Kedusha, and, uh, and so on and so forth. And he's trying to swallow the Kedusha within the food. That's what it is. So that would be a case, if you if you're like, if you, if you could do that, where you make food a spiritual event. You combine, I tried it a few times, it's really very interesting. The bracha for sure is a spiritual thing, but bracha is a purely spiritual action. So I say a bracha, something spiritual. Then I begin to eat the food. Car is nothing physical, nothing spiritual about eating food. So that's in an, in an ideal way of living, it's not good because why should I be spending time doing something physical? I have to always try to find kedusha, become more spiritual. But if I do this, what the Ariyat says and the Chesidah Shabbos are doing, I make my bracha, begin to eat the food, and I and I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking. Every bite of food is giving me some kedusha. It's giving me some holiness, some spiritual life. It's a very interesting. I did it quite a few times. Not all the time. I wish I could do all the time. I forget. But when I do it, it's a really powerful way of eating food. It's very powerful because it turns into a spiritual event. Eating food is a spiritual event. It's like having a rebbeshit tish. You can do it. I recommend it. Anyways, these are the three exercises. List all the physical things, pure physical. List all the things which are spiritual, and list things which are combination of physical and spiritual. And then I have here more things. Says log the amount of time that you spend in each of these activities. How much time during the day did you spend on the mundane? How much time did you spend on the spiritual? How much time did you spend on the combination? And once you see the numbers, 
maybe you think maybe I could change a little bit to get more numbers on the spiritual side, and a little bit less on the physical side, see if there's any way that you can change it. And of course, the changes should be done one small step at a time. Don't, uh, don't do find yourself as a source. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is the end of our uh, discussion of Lech Lecha.